Clap your hands unto the Lord as he comes. Somebody lift your voice and give him praise. Lift your voice and give him praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Come on, if you're thankful to be in the house of God one more time, give him praise, give him praise. Give him praise, give him praise. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. God is so great and greatly to be praised. And I am so thankful to be a part of his kingdom. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles this morning, the book of Psalms, chapter 35, and uh, verse 11. to say while you're turning there how honored I am to be back with the wonderful people of God in Bakersfield, California. And I'm so thankful for what God is doing here in this church and thankful for the friendship that has been made. And I, I would say at one point in time, you know, when I came here, uh, I really didn't know Brother Bradford that well outside of from a distance, but now I just feel like we're family. And uh, I appreciate him love him so much and his wonderful family and I love this church and I thank God for the church Ooh, if it wasn't for the church where would I be I'm thankful for the church amen amen Psalms chapter 35 verse 11 David writing here he says false witnesses did rise up they laid to my charge things I knew not that's just an old fashioned way of saying lying on me they rewarded me evil for good to the spoiling of my soul but as for me when they were sick my clothing was sackcloth I humbled my soul with fasting and my prayer returned into my own bosom I behaved myself as though he had been my friend or brother I bowed down heavily as one that mourneth for his mother but in my adversity they rejoice they gathered themselves together. Yea, the adjects gathered themselves together against me, and I knew it not. They did tear me and cease not. With hypocritical mockers and feasts, they gnashed upon me with their teeth. And in verse 17, David gets really bold. And I, don't, I, I know I've done this in some form or fashion in other words, but David simply tells the Lord, Lord, how long will you look on? In other words, he's saying, how long are you going to look the other way? Rescue my soul from their destructions and my darlings from the lions. I want to preach to us today a thought that the Lord has laid on my heart. Devils never die. Devils never die. Would you help me pray right now? God, we love you. We praise you. We thank you. Give you glory. Give you honor. There's nobody like you, not in heaven, not in the earth. God, I'm asking you, Lord, right now to have your way in this house. Let your anointing flow from the front to the back and side to side. Let the power of the Holy Ghost consume us, change us, and challenge us. In Jesus' name we pray. Everyone give the Lord a hand clap of praise one more time. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Blessed be the name of the Lord most high. You may be seated. I believe this morning that it is safe to say 
that with the exception of God Almighty made flesh Jesus Christ, that the Bible does not refer to another man more than it refers to David. He is in the spotlight for a very large portion of Old Testament. He is the prophet that would prophesy things in the New Testament. And we know him as more than a writer of Psalms. He was a shepherd. He was a king. He was a warrior. He was a musician. He was a strategist. He was a lover and a hater, a poet, and the list continues. It goes on and on and on. He is the patriarch of all of the kings that the Bible says, and they did right in the eyes of the Lord after their father David. And so with all of this, with this great resume, it's very uh, easy to read the highlights and see this man as fearless and faithful and rightfully so because David in common terms is a man's man. He killed a lion and a bear with a slingshot and his bare hands. A man three times his size with just a rock. 200 Philistines for the hand of a woman in marriage. He pay, played a concert for a king only to name a few things that he did and he did all of this before he was even 19 years of age. I'd say undoubtedly if you were living in the era of David that he was the hero that everybody wanted to be like. Well, I can't get no help on Sunday morning. I mean, when was the last time you seen somebody do that? All before 19 years old, he has become the hero of God's people. And, and we see his uh, heroism. We can applaud David. We can look unto David as indeed a hero. We can look at him as someone to look up to. He, he's a man after God's own heart. But let me tell you about David. David has another side. David was a man that on the other side is faithless and fearful. He is an adulterer. He is murderous. He is envious. He is bitter. He is wroth and he is quick-tempered. And again, we're looking at a man that has more time in the limelight than Abraham and Isaac and Jacob and Noah. And so we can pick him apart a little easier than we can these other guys. But it's easy to condemn David for his failures and praise David from his, for his victories. From the failure point of view, nobody wants to be like David. We all want to be that hero that David was, but we don't want his failures. We don't want to walk the walk that he had to walk. We don't want to have to go through the things. And, and if you read the book of Psalms chronologically, it would be easy to say that David needed to be on medication. You go read them in order. Because David can be on the mountain one day. And two weeks later, he can be in the deepest, darkest valley that anybody has ever experienced. And for David, when you read about David, now I'm, I'm just I'm trying to preach this from David's point of view as best as I can. When you read about David from his point of view, when he has victory, nobody has victory like David has victory. When David's talking about his victories, it don't matter how much you've done, how much you've seen, you ain't done nothing like David's done. I mean, he's killed a lion and a bear. He's, he has been the guy that killed Goliath. You, you can't tell it, let me tell it. David would sing, you don't know like I know. David would talk about my dance has crushed Satan under my, David did all that. I know we sing the songs, but David started them. 
When David's on the mountain, there's nobody that can be on a mountain anywhere near as tall as David. But let me tell you about when David's in the valley. When David's in the valley, you start reading about him like we read about him today. They lied on me. They're talking about me. When, when they were in trouble, I prayed for them. I'm, I'm not preaching yet, but I'm going to preach in a minute. When they were in trouble, I fasted for them. When everything was wrong in their world, I did everything I could to try to make it right for them. But when it was my turn to be in the valley, they turned their back on me. Now, nobody has a mountaintop experience like David, but nobody has a valley experience like David either. Because when David's in the valley, he's really in the valley. And, and just like you can't compare to his mountaintop, you can't compare to his valley either. Woe is me. Nobody knows the trouble I've had to walk through. Nobody knows how bad it's been this week. Nobody knows how, how many enemies I've had to fight and nobody even cares. The truth of the matter is, is like it or not, you can find yourself in David the same way. Because when you have victory, nobody has victory like you have victory. And I can tell, I've been here long enough. Oh, help me, Jesus. I get the medal a little bit here. I've been here long enough that I can tell when you're having victory. Sometimes we work in the prophetic and sometimes we work in the gift of obvious. It's a very special gift of discernment. It, it, it's, it's something that happens is because we're people. And we live real lives and we deal with real problems. And because of that, when we have victory, we can sing from the top of the mountain. And when we have victory, we can run the aisles. And when we have victory, everything's good. But when we're having a bad day, we just like David. Woe is me. I am amazed at how much the Bible reveals myself to me. I am amazed at how much the Word of God shows me the things that I need to work on. And, and we see this here. David is doing what most of us would do. Is he is riding the roller coaster called life. Bad things happen. And when bad things happen, it's our first response. And it is David's first response to not only ask God why, but to blame God. He starts asking questions like, why are they getting to jump up and down about what I'm going through and you're just looking the other way? God, which, which really kind of brings me to what I want to preach about today. How do you live for God when God looks the other way? Bad stuff happens and God looks the other way. Can I tell you this morning it's not fair when God looks the other way? Can I tell you today that it's not easy when God looks the other way? And when God looks the, uh, the other way, the only thing that's left is shouting. And it's not shouting in victory, but it's theoretically shouting at God. God, why did you let this happen to me? Why did you let this come my way? If you love me, why did you leave me? If you cared about me, why did you drop me in the middle of this test, in the middle of this trouble, in the middle of this trial? But I've come to tell somebody today uh, that God is still God and he's still on the throne uh, in spite of your trouble. <laughs> Hallelujah. 
and, and, and so we can take time and we can preach about Abraham and his doubt and we can preach about Moses and his temper and we can talk about Jacob being a trickster and we can talk about Noah being a wine bibber and we can talk about Samson being a womanizer and we can talk about how Elisha was, was sensitive about his bald spot. But there's an issue here. You can call them character flaws. You can call them heart issues. You can call them whatever you want to call them. But there is this hindrance that is in their life that makes them people. This one thing that sticks out, and I don't have time to preach about Abraham and Moses and Jacob and Noah, so I'm just going to stick to David for a little while, but just know that it's, it's preachable in every one of their lives. We can see it here in David. I don't have, again, I don't have time to preach the whole story, but the miraculous begins to happen in David's life in 1 Samuel chapter 17 when he kills Goliath. But can I preach to you today that promise and peril often have the same origins and the same thing that will cause some people to love you will be the thing that causes some people to hate you and the thing that causes you to be a hero to one uh, nation will be the thing that causes you to be the most hated in another nation. Uh, this is a moment of the miraculous in David's life. Uh, this is a reason to shout, but it's also the moment that the devil put his crosshairs on him. It's also the moment that there were people that said, I don't like him. It, this is the moment that they're shouting and dancing in the streets uh, and they're talking about how good David is. Uh, and way over in Gath, there's people that are cursing his name. That good for nothing David, he killed our one champion. The one guy, and if that ain't enough, David goes to add uh, salt into the injury and he kills 200, women, uh, 200 men just to marry one woman. 200 Philistines. This is a moment that he has created an enemy. And now this enemy will continue to bug David for the rest of his life. This enemy is quite possibly who he's talking about here in Psalms chapter 35. I was doing my job as the hero of Israel and now the Philistines are relentless and they won't stop. It's kind of depressing, ain't it? Like this ain't what I come to hear on Sunday morning. I'm, I'm, I'm going to get to the good part here in a minute. Just suffer with me for a little while and we'll reign together here in a minute. These Philistines are relentless. I was just doing my job. How many ever felt like that? I was just coming to church and loving God. I was, I'm called to be a worshiper and I was just worshiping. I'm just praying because it's what I'm called to do. I'm outreaching because it's what I'm called to do. And no matter what I do, it seems like I can never get ahead because the devils just keep on coming. Every time I take one step forward, I take two steps back. Every time I feel like I finally got it under control, I go to Thanksgiving and somebody in my family says something and it just absolutely, help me Jesus. I'm preaching good now. I thought I had that under control and then they said that one thing and it absolutely lit my fire and now here I am and I'm in the same boat I was in last week and the problems just keep on coming and I feel like I'm losing the battle. I know I'm not preaching to everybody today, but I'm preaching to somebody, and I want to tell you I've come to preach to you what God has laid on my heart and that's the fact that the Philistines have a purpose in your life you look at David as, re, as he begins to respond to the Philistines, it's year in, it's year out. It's, it's, it, they, he fixes it at the front door and they come in the back door. He turns around and they're crawling in the windows. It's every time David turns around, there's a Philistine in his life that is trying to take him out. Can you imagine how frustrating it had to be for David to be a warrior? 
Now just, just think about this for a minute. I'm still not preaching. I'm not hollering yet. But to be a warrior, and, and, and he killed Jebusites, and they never show up again, Brother Bradford. He, he kills Amorites, and they disappear. I mean, he has a little battle here and there. But it's nothing like the Philistines. He, he drives the Jebusites out of Jerusalem, and now it is called the city of David. But the Philistines don't quit. He gets victory over this, but not that. And this is the depressing part. There's some things you'll never get the victory over. They'll just keep coming back and keep coming back. and keep. It doesn't mean that you don't have victory. It doesn't mean that you're not called. It doesn't mean that you're not anointed. God leaves that in your life. Because if you're anointed to be a warrior and you're not fighting a battle, you'll get idle. And when you get idle, you listen, you're called to kill Philistine. You're called to have blood on your sword. And the issue with people that don't have a battle in their life, when you, let, me, let me put it like this. When you think of the greatest accomplishments of David, you think of David and when you think of the greatest failures of David's life, what do you think of David and Bathsheba? Well, you know, in the chapter of the Bible where it begins to talk about David and Bathsheba, when it, it, when it, the greatest failure that ever defines him, you know what it says? At the times that kings should have been at war. David was supposed to be fighting a battle, but instead he had too much victory. Woo. There's a thought that will slap you upside the head and make you think, now, I don't know about this preacher. He had too much victory. Can I tell you? You go look at it. You go study it. I challenge you to go study it. You want to know the greatest time in David's life when he wasn't the, the longest period of time when he wasn't fighting Philistines? It was when he failed with Bathsheba. See, because you're called to be a warrior and you're called to have your sword in your hand. But the issue is, is when you don't have a Philistine to fight, you still get blood on your sword, but it becomes your brother's blood. And you stop fighting the battle that you're supposed to be fighting. And you start fighting things that have nothing to do with what you're supposed to They're my brother. They're my sister. And because I'm a warrior, because I'm, I'm called to be out on the battlefield, I've got this period of time in my life when the Philistines aren't there, when the devils aren't fighting me. And so I'll turn and I'll start cutting things that I'm not supposed to cut. Can I tell you today, you better thank God. You better worship God. You better give God glory every time you get a chance for that battle that's in your life. It's the only thing that's keeping you grounded. That Philistine that keeps coming up, that Philistine that keeps showing his face, you better thank God that he didn't die. You better thank God he keeps coming back because that's what's keeping you in the house of God. If you never had a battle, you wouldn't know that he's a God that never lost a battle. If you never had a circumstance, you wouldn't know that he's a God that's bigger than circumstance. You wouldn't be living for God today if it wasn't for that one demon that's been looking you in the eyes. I'm here to tell you today, thank God for the Philistine. Sometimes I understand it's the devil's job to get you to try to blame God when he's the deliverer. It's the devil's job to try to get you to get upset with God and get like David and say, how long are you going to look the other way? How long are you going to keep letting this happen, God? If you're really God, I know I'm not preaching to everybody. I might be just preaching to one today, but I'm preaching with a burden for one. If you're really God, why is this happening? I'll tell you why. Because he knows that this is the only thing keeping you in church. 
Because you can try to put on the suit, put on the tie, fix your hair just right, get every bobby pin in place. That's fine. But I know flesh because I am flesh. Just like you are flesh. And the truth of the matter is, if we had everything that we wanted, we wouldn't be in church. Oh, y'all going to leave me by myself this morning. That's okay. If you got everything you asked for, you wouldn't be here right now. You better thank God for unanswered prayers. You, you better thank God that he didn't remove that out of your way. You better thank God that the Philistines keep showing up. Because the devil will try his best to try to blur the lines and make you think, well, it's God's picking on you. And No, you just got to get the revelation. It's all in how you get delivered. Because some things aren't for your faith. Some things are for God's faith. Sometimes God has to build his faith in you, just like you have to have your faith built in God. And, and, and that's how we know if it's the devil sent to destroy me or if God is allowing this Philistine to come in my life. This is how you know. How do you know, preacher? It's easy. It's all in the way you get delivered. If God delivers you from, the devil was going to destroy you. But if God delivers you through, he left it there to keep you grounded and to keep you knowing that he's still God and he's still able to deliver you. I'm thankful God hasn't delivered me from everything. Some things he delivers me through. That's why David said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. It's because at the end of the day, he had the revelation that sometimes I'm on the mountain and sometimes I'm down in the valley and God doesn't always do what I want him to do. But nevertheless, Nevertheless, he shows up and he keeps me and he walks with me and he talks and he makes sure that I have everything I need to make it one more day and to keep on keeping on. It's hard and it's frustrating. It's frustrating when you're trying to live for God with this ideology that everything that comes my way, God's just going to move it. Let me just tell you, that ain't how living for God works. Living for God, and I've heard it preached my whole life, it's not a bed of roses, but really it is. Paul said it like this, thrice I besought the Lord to remove this thorn from my side. And all I could get out of God is my grace is sufficient for thee. You know what God was telling Paul? Paul, I'm not delivering you from this. I'm delivering you through this. And you've got to get the understanding. And you, let, let me just ask you a question today. If all you have to hold on to God by his thorns, can you keep on holding on to God? If that's all you got, if you ain't got any, Lord, help us, Jesus. It's the grace of God and this keeping power of God. It's a lot like this, this ideology of a man that, that would buy his wife some roses. And she reaches in this box of roses and she pulls them out, but she forgot that roses have thorns. And she begins to bleed. And it's at that moment, this is where we are, it's at that moment she can reject the rose because it caused her pain. Or she can realize that the purpose was never to cause pain, but to show how much I love you. And that's what living for God is like sometimes. You look around at some of these aged saints with white hair, and I by no means am saying that disrespectfully. I'm saying that respectfully. And you look at some of these older saints that have been in this a long time, and they will tell you that the only reason I'm here right now is because I learned how to hold on to God by the thorns. 
Everything wasn't always perfect. Everything ain't always been right. Everything ain't always been what I wanted to be. But I know this, if I keep on holding on to God, eventually I'll get to the point to where there's petals. I'll get past the thorns and I'll get past the pain and I'll get past the heartache and I'll get past the sorrow and I'll get to a place where, where, where the rose, I can smell the rose. And I'll get to the place where I see the beauty. I've got, I've got to go through the storm and I've got to go through the rain. And sometimes God doesn't move it out my way. But this I know, if I keep on holding on to God by the thorn. Well, I've come to preach to you with a burden today and ask you a question. What are you going to do when God says no? How are you going to live for God when he says no? I'm not delivering you from this, but my grace is sufficient for thee. No, David, I'm not taking these Philistines out of your life, but I'll give you the strength to fight them, and I'll raise up men in the congregation that will fight by you. I'm not taking you out of this battle, but I'll give you the strength to make it through this battle. I've come to tell somebody today, God didn't leave you. God didn't forsake you. He just let his grace reach you where you are. And you may feel like it's time to throw in the towel. Honey, no. Please don't quit now. Just keep holding on to God. If all you got is the thorns, keep holding on to God by the thorn. Can you hold on to the thorns when the doctor says there's nothing we can do? Can you hold on to the thorns when the banker says, I've done all I can. Can you hold on to God by the thorns when the theologians of our day can't figure out what to do? Can you hold on to God by the thorns when the economy goes upside down? Can you hold on to God by the thorns when life hits you square between the eyes and everything you thought life was supposed to be is not? Can you hold on to God by the thorns when all you can get out of God is my grace is sufficient? Don't you think that God could in one moment deliver Paul? Don't, don't you think that God could have spoke and whatever this issue was, there, there's a hundred different ideas of what it is and, and I've read it a hundred different times and I've got a hundred different opinions myself. I don't know what the thorn was. But whatever it is, it was something that grieved the apostle. Now you, you, you think about this for a minute. David's the same way. It's, it's the same story in different formats. This is the guy in Acts that would just turn around and look at a woman and say, come out of her. And demons that had lived inside of this woman for years, boom, gone. This is the man that has seen apostolic revival in some of the most wicked cities of his day. And if I was Paul, y'all better thank God I wasn't. But if I was Paul, me and God would have had to have a little heart to heart. Now you mean I can cast demons out of her? I can see miracle signs and wonders? I can see revival in the greatest cities of the world? And I still can't get over this? Kind of sounds like what David said when he said, how long are you going to look the other way? Because this don't make sense. This doesn't make sense. But there's this thing called faith. <laughs> We're going to talk about it tonight, hopefully. And faith doesn't make sense. But I know that if I keep on holding on to God, even though he said no, 
I can't, I can't tell you. I can't tell you. I wish I could. I, I, you don't know how bad I wish I could tell you that all your problems are getting ready to disappear. I can't tell you they are. I can tell you that God's got a way. I can tell you that God's got the answer. I can tell you that if you hold on, that there, there's an old song that said, Jesus is the answer for the world today. That's still the case. I can't tell you how it's going to work out, but I can tell you this. If you keep on holding on to God by the thorns, some way, somehow, in the midst of your chaos, in the midst of your problem, in the midst of, in the midst of your dysfunction, in the midst of your family being turned upside down, God is going to work it out. I don't know when, I don't know how, I don't know why, but I do know this. If you hold on to God, God will hold on to you. And he never lets go. You can see the story play out in Jacob's life. I'm trying to hurry, but there, there's a lot of preaching in this, and I really don't have time. Maybe we can revisit it at a later date, but there, there, there's a lot of preaching in this. You can see it in Jacob's life. God touches the hollow of his thigh, and now Jacob has a limp. I don't read. Not, maybe, maybe you see this differently, Brother Bradford, but I don't find anywhere where, where God touched his limp. I, I, I can't find it. I don't know. Maybe he had the limp for the rest of his life. We do know he's walking different. We do know that there's something changed when God touched him. But there's something interesting about this, this concept with Jacob. Every time Jacob meets opposition, what does he do? He runs. He finds his brother Esau. His brother's upset at him, and he runs away. He gets to Laban's house, and it finally gets too hot for him to handle it, and he runs away. And he meets the Lord. He meets God. And this is one of those things that people say this is, a, this is a contradiction in the Bible. This is by no means a contradiction in the Bible. Because Moses said, no man, God spoke to Moses and said, no man shall see my face and live. But Jacob said, I have saw God face to face and my life is preserved. Say, so, well, who lied, Moses or God or Jacob? Jacob said he saw God face to face and yet he lived. Yep, that's exactly right. But Jacob did die and Israel started living. There was a transition that took place. And in this transition, something changed and God took away his, his ability to run. So Jacob, now when you meet your brother again, you can't run away because I took your ability to run. And you're wondering why God's putting you through the things that he's putting you through. Maybe because every time you've ever faced adversity, you were like Jacob and you ran away. And so God's put you in a place, David. God's put you in a place, Paul. God's put you in a place, Jacob, where, you, where your hollow of your thigh has been touched. And now you don't walk the same. You, you, you have to have a staff just to get around. And you're wondering why you've been through this. But God understands if I don't touch you, if I don't stop you, every time you have the opportunity to to go to the next dimension uh, but there's adversity you're going to run away uh, and you're going to stay in the same dimension that you've been in uh, for the rest of your life uh, because you can't see what I'm doing uh, and you keep trying to run away uh, and you keep praying God when you're going to heal my leg uh, when you're going to make it where I can run again and God's looking and saying I don't want you to run again uh, you've ran too many times uh, and now I've got you in a position uh, where you have to face it Devils, they're, they're spiritual beings. Musicians, come, I'm getting ready to close. They're spiritual beings that live for eternity. Sometimes they just keep coming back. Maybe that's one of the main differences, or one of the differences in Saul. I talked a little bit about that a couple weeks ago, but this is a difference in Saul and in David. 
to some extent. Saul just gets pushed up front. It's all, it all comes easy to him. And there's not a formidable enemy that's in his life continually. That's not the case with David. David's always got, it's like something's always happening. Can, can I just be honest with you today? Can I, can I be transparent? I, sometimes I kind of feel like that. Everything I, I told my wife the other day, I said, it don't matter what it is. If I touch it, it's going to break. It's just life around my house. I, was, I spend more time fixing stuff I broke trying to fix something that was broke. It really wasn't broke. But I, I'm, I'm just going to be honest with you. And, and I know some preachers have a problem with this much transparency, but I mean, it, I'm, I'm an open book. I know Jacob Phillips better than any of you. And you know what Paul said that thorn was put there? He said, lest I be exalted in myself because of my revelation. I'm going to tell you what, what, what Jacob Phillips would fight if God didn't let stuff break all the time. I got this. Look at that. Look what I did. I'm, again, you can try to act like you came to church today and you're Patty Pentecostal and perfect, but I know better. Because we all have the ability to focus on ourselves. Isn't it funny how when something bad happens, it's God's fault? But when something good happens, I did that. It's life, it's humanity, it's flesh. It's born in sin, shaping in iniquity mindsets that assume that, that, and I don't have time to preach this. This is a whole other concept in itself, but it's idolatry that from the beginning of time, why did Lucifer fall? Because he said, I will be like a God. And you see it from there. Time and time. If you don't believe it, go read Genesis. The fall from the garden, you want to know what I believe? got Eve's attention you read it it's in your Bible if you eat this you'll be like a God it's in your Bible then we go to the Tower of Babel the Bible says that we'll make us a name that's what and God came down and there's a whole other concept to this it's a whole other message in itself but God looked at their unity even though it was perverse and it was it, it was for the wrong deal. And he said, if I don't go down there and stop them, they'll do it. And you keep walking down through time and see how man wants to take the credit for what he's done right and wants to blame God for everything that's wrong. You want to know how our country's got into the shape it's in right now? Because men seen in, in all the evil, all of the injustices, says where is God in the middle of that until we have assimilated with a mindset that says if it's bad God did it again I don't know what the thorn is for you I don't know what the Philistine is I, I, I don't know what the battle is that you have to continually face. But I'm hoping I bring some clarity to you today. 
Sometimes God doesn't deliver you from. He delivers you through. And when God won't deliver you, it's not because God's being mean. It's because he sees, David, if I don't let the Philistines there be there, you're going to kill Uriah. And you're going to miss out on being able, and this is just my opinion, but I, I don't believe that David missed out on being able to build the temple because of his, uh, his slaying of the Philistines. My personal belief is that it's because he killed his own brother. He killed Uriah, and God looked at him and said, you're a bloody man. You're a bloody man. Because you spent time that you were supposed to be in the battle. You were just in the rooftops. Out there looking around. Well, I wasn't doing anything wrong, no. But you wasn't in the fight. Brother Bradford, I've doing some soul searching last night and I can look back at every time that I failed God it was at a time that I wasn't engaged wasn't pushing I was idle there's an old saying it should have been scripture but idle hands are the devil's playground that's pretty good stuff right there I think I'll just come to church and just be a part. You can't, you can't live like that. You can't exist like that. I know what you're Brother Phillips, I liked you a whole lot better when you were screaming and spitting and we were shouting and standing on our heads a couple Sundays ago. We'll get back to that. I promise. But today I got to preach to somebody that's been saying, what they, Lord, how long are you going to look the other way? This is bugging me. This is, this is under my skin. And you're not doing anything about it. Come tell you, yeah, yes. He left it there. Don't you think God could just let it all disappear? He's God. He's all powerful. He's omniscient. He's omnipresent. He, he's everything you need Him to be and more. All power in heaven and earth. It's in His hands. question is, do you trust Him? Do you trust God when God leaves the thorn? I know you believe in God, but there's a big difference in believing in God and trusting in God. We're revisiting this right now. Do you trust Him? When you get up in the morning and it's festering, it's there, it's aggravating you. This, stand with me, I'm done. Some things we make a bigger deal about them than they really are. Am I by myself when I say that? Or is there is there other honest people here today that, that just be, yeah. Sometimes we just make a bigger deal about it. I, y'all know I'm redneck as they come. They ain't no more redneck than I am. A couple years ago, we were, we were coon hunting at night, and we got into a bad, when I tell you a thicket, buddy, you couldn't see. Oh, I take that back. We were hog hunting. That's what we, I, I hunt everything, so I, it, sometimes it bleeds together. I can call. There, there's men that were with me there that day that can I can call and tell you right now. We had one man that he had to get out because he was having a panic attack because it was so thick in there. And, and we crawled in. 
briars. Y'all know what briar patches are out here? I ain't seen one since I've been out here. I'm talking about so thick. This is the God's honest truth. Because you know us rednecks, we got to lie about how bad it is. But this is the God's honest truth. It took us 30 minutes to go about 50 yards into this thing. That's how thick it was. We all come out needing a blood transfusion. Bleeding everywhere. And I'm telling you, we make things bigger than they really are. Watch. I got some thorns broke off under the under my skin. And I dug and dug and dug. I'm telling you, it looked like I was in there doing surgery. I had tweezers out in my shins. Bleeding. Couldn't get them out. I'd be John Brown if I go to the doctor over a little thorn. That was some time ago. But you believe about six weeks ago, my wife looked at my shin and she said, what is that? What are you talking about? And I looked down and a thorn was working its way out. Get it? Did you catch that? Sometimes we make the bleeding a whole lot worse just because we keep digging at it. And I have watched people over my 20 years of ministry and living for God that they pray about their problems so much that they lose a relationship with God. Because every time they pray, all they pray about is my problem. And they never just go to God and say, Lord, I love you. Thank you for your grace that's keeping me. Thank you for your power that's walking with me. I, this hurts. I don't like this. This is not what I had in mind, but I thank you because you still got your hand on me. Some stuff is never going to die. But you just keep living for God long enough and it'll work itself out. Just keep living for God. And one day you're going to get up and realize... It's not there anymore. One day you're going to realize that there was a purpose for every Philistine that came your way. I'm sure David wasn't thinking about years down the road when he was laying on his deathbed and he could have got bitter and said, God, why'd you let me have to fight this my whole life? I'm sure he never knew he would be the patriarch of the faithful kings. That when Matthew would sit down to write his record of the life of Jesus Christ, he would talk about Jesus Christ, the son of Abraham, the son of David. He didn't know all that. Well, he was saying, Lord, how long are you going to let it? He's going to look the other way. He didn't know that. I'll tell you what kept David. David kept holding on to God by the thorns. Tell you what kept Paul, where he could say, oh, my race is run, my fight is finished. And there's a crown of righteousness. And when time comes for him to be executed, he willingly lay his head down on the chopping block. He understood that sometimes you just got to hold on to God by the thorn. Jacob, Israel, what made him what he was, even with his limp that he had to contend with, is he finally figured out how to stop running. Figured out that, you know what? Life's going to happen. I got to trust God. 
I got to believe God. I got to walk with God. These altars are open to somebody here today. You've been struggling. You've been looking at life, and it's been treating you. It's been You've been getting the raw end of the stick. It, it, it's, it's a bad deal. They beat you up one side and down the other, but would you come today? Come on. Everybody that would, would you make your way to the altar? God's, God's calling somebody today to get a, the perspective back that I, I may not like what I'm going through, but it has a purpose. It has a purpose. It has a purpose. I don't understand it, but I know it has a purpose. God's going to work through this. Come on, as they sing, would somebody just lift your hands and your voice? Give it to the Lord. Come on, God, if you don't deliver me from this, would you deliver me through this? I'll be all right. If you don't take this problem away, but you leave it, I'm, I'm going to keep living. I'm going to keep trusting. I'm going to keep believing. If this problem doesn't go anywhere, I'm going to keep knowing you're still God. <laughs>